Good morning, good evening, wherever you are across the world and the universe. Welcome to Quantum Living, a mysterious dimension at the intersection of science and spirituality, where anything can happen. I'm your host, Anna Anderson. Thank you for joining me on this quantum journey as I continue lifting the veil of other dimensions and realities to make them a part of our life. As always, please take away from the show only what resonates with you and discard the rest or put it aside for later. I hope you will enjoy today's episode. Okay, let's begin. Hello and welcome to yet another fascinating episode of Quantum Living. I love talking on this podcast about messages from the heart, pun intended, positive, uplifting, inspiring messages. And if those messages come from the higher spiritual realms and include insights and guidance for our spiritual and human journey on this plane, that's a treat. When such messages find their way to my show, it means that they need to be spread across the world. And to help me do just that today is my special guest, Darren Mack. Darren is an internationally recognized healer and teacher with over 15 years of experience in the field of self-growth and mind-body-soul wellness. As a yoga teacher and Reiki practitioner, he has impacted the lives of thousands, helping his clients achieve happier and more spiritually fulfilled lives through his workshops and lessons. As the author of Journey of the Heart, a channeled material, a powerful guide on the topic of spiritual wellness and self-discovery, Darren is dedicated to sharing the wisdom of his guides and improving the lives of the people around him. And now, Darren joins me from Santa Barbara in California. Hello, Darren. Welcome to Quantum Living. It's such a pleasure to have you on my show. It is a pleasure to be here, Anna. Thank you for having me. Lovely. To start off, could you tell us, please, about your personal journey leading you to the spiritual path? Of course. I... I began to gravitate towards things of a, a spiritual nature in my late teens and early 20s. And I felt like I was being drawn from something within myself towards things of a spiritual nature. As I'm, I'm sure you're probably aware from your, your own path, and I think many other people are aware of already, mm-hmm. some of us <laughs> just naturally gravitate towards things of a spiritual nature. But I did have one particular experience that still sticks out in my mind, which is when I was 20 years old and shortly after I, I felt a, a calling towards more of a spiritual life, I, I met my first teacher who was uh, a channel, a trance channel, as well as a healer. And I began to attend her channeling groups. And shortly thereafterwards, I began to meditate. And shortly thereafterwards, I discovered Reiki. So there was a, a natural unfolding that began to take place in my, my late teens and early 20s, in my college years. Mm, lovely. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Now, I understand that you have written a couple of books but the first one was fully yours, so to speak, <laughs> not, <Right>. <laughs> not channeled. Uh, is it correct? And what, what was the first book? That is correct. It's called Create Your Dream Life Now, a workbook and guide for manifesting your destiny. And it introduces people to very simple, practical tools that they can incorporate into their daily lives to experience more peace and happiness and joy and abundance. Okay. Yeah. So that book was based on your own experience, on your, on your own work, yes? Yes, exactly. Yeah, that book was based on my, my own experience and, and my desire to want to contribute to the world in a positive way. Mm. Okay, lovely. Yeah. So what was your first channeling experience and when? The very first one. Yeah, that's a great <laughs> question, Anna. Well, for uh, a very, you know what, I should actually back up a little bit and Mm -hmm. say that my very first channeling experience was actually in my dream state 
Wow. Yeah. And I don't remember exactly when it happened. Actually, I do. It was when I was in college, shortly after I met my first teacher, one of my Native American guides came into my dream state. Ah. And I, I saw him and felt his energy very clearly. And he spoke to me very clearly. He said, it's time for you to begin to meditate. Okay. <laughs> and that was my first channeling experience in my dream state. Ah. And for many years, my guides would continue to come to me spontaneously in my dream state with messages. And it was, it was a little frustrating, to be honest, Anna, because when I would have the intention of it happening... It wouldn't happen, uh. <laughs> but, but when I wasn't thinking about it, it would just spontaneously happen in my dreams and I would receive a, a visitation. Okay. Yeah. So that was something that you couldn't control. Yes. That the spirit did and, and they came to you whenever they wanted to. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. As I reflect upon it now, I trust that I received messages in my dream state whenever I was meant to, whenever I really needed to. Mm, because okay. as I'm sure you know, yeah. often, so often the, the ego will want to know something yes. so badly, but it might not be time for us to know, or it might not be in our highest and best to know in that moment. Yes. Because so much of life is meant to be a mystery, and it's meant to just unfold, <laughs> right? So we can't know too much in the moment. Isn't it frustrating, though? You know, I, I totally agree with what you're saying, and, and that's how it is. But I personally find it at times so frustrating, <laughs> I have to say, that I do need to know something. I want to have some information about a particular aspect of my life unfolding. Yes. And, and I keep asking and asking and asking my guides and, and the spirit, and, and nothing is coming through, and I'm not getting any answer. And I said, right. what's wrong with you? <laughs> So, yes, I mean, on the one hand, I totally understand yeah. the reason behind this, but I do find it frustrating. Did you find it frustrating too? Yes, <laughs> of course. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. My practice now when I have questions about my own personal life is to write down the question on a piece of paper and I leave it in front of my meditation chair. Ah. So every time I sit down for meditation, mm -hmm. I, I do my best to become receptive to any guidance that is available to me for this particular question. And sometimes there'll be nothing there for me. Mm. And other times I might hear a message clairaudiently. Okay. That's my practice right now. And for me personally, and I think this is mm -hmm. the case for many channels as well as for, mm -hmm. for many psychics and intuitives, it's a lot easier for me to receive for others yes. than it is for myself. Yes. <laughs> yes, which is why it's so important for, for us to have, to have friends who can support us. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I, I find it too. It's so much easier to receive information about others. I get a lot of download, if you like, or, or channeled information during my sessions, my coaching sessions with clients. The information just comes through, so I pass it on. And it's very, very easy. How old were you at the time with, with your very first channeling experience, roughly? With my very first channeling experience in my dream state, I was only like 20 years old. But my first experience with, with channeling in the waking state, in the meditative state, occurred about six years ago, six or seven years ago. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there was a big chunk of time in between when I first started channeling in my dream state and when I began to channel in, in meditation. Yeah, so that, that yeah. was sort of like an, an incubation period for you to, yes. to develop yes. to the point of the awaking state channeling could occur. Yes. Mm. That's such a great word, Anna, incubation. 
that's the perfect word to describe it because I, as I was sharing with somebody else recently, it's really only by way of my, my meditation practice, by way of learning how to still my mind and by learning how to be, have an open heart that I was able to begin to, to channel. And that took many years of, of, of practice. That was the incubation period. Yes, yes. It doesn't happen overnight. It happens yes. by way of, of practice. Well, for some people, it may happen overnight, but for most of us, it doesn't. It, it takes time. And how long it takes, it depends yes. obviously on the person, yeah. on their level of, of um, spiritual and personal development at the time. Because it is, we are talking about absolutely, yeah, the alignment of energy and not just alignment, but the frequency. So in order to receive certain spiritual messages and, and channel material, the person needs to have a certain higher level of frequency within their being in order to receive those messages. Absolutely. Is, is this your sensing? Absolutely, 110%. And you know what's so interesting to me, Anna, is I've, I've spoken to a lot of adults recently who are, I, I personally don't have children, but I've been speaking to a lot of adults recently who, who have children, spiritual adults who I consider to be on a spiritual path. And many of them have children who are incredibly awake and plugged in, mm, in, yeah. in a way that I was not personally as a child. And so it's my sense that the children entering the world now, some of them at least, are entering in at a higher frequency and are able yes. to connect more easily with the higher realms. So for Absolutely. me, it's been a lifelong journey yes. of, of practice. But for others, so for example, some, some of the younger generation, I think it's happening more quickly with less work. Yes, you are absolutely correct. In fact, I was having a very similar conversation uh, with my other guest just recently when we talked about the indigo children and especially about the rainbow children. The rainbow children are those born in the early 2000s and especially after 2010. So we're talking teenagers, young adults who come to this world with an already open spiritual channels, if you like, activated pineal gland, psychic abilities. And yeah, they have less amnesia. <laughs> absolutely. Less forgetfulness. And you, you are right they, that they get to the level, say, that we are now at much quicker. Yes. In a sense, they are becoming our teachers. Yeah. In fact, uh, in my, in my book, the teachers of the light very directly say the children are our teachers in the sense that many children who are in their youth are experiencing the joy of their, their beingness in a way that we as adults do not. And so in that sense, they are our teachers and they are a reflection of what's inside of us as adults that we often... We often forget. Yes, absolutely. So this is a very nice segue to the core of our conversation. Let's talk about your book, Journey of the Heart, Channeling the Teachers of the Light. How did you write it? How long did the process take? And who are the teachers of the light? Great questions. I, I channeled most of the material in the book over the course of several months. And after those initial several months, I continued to channel passages for the book, but more sporadically. But during a short period of time, I would sit in meditation almost every morning and open myself up to channeling this material. And I recorded it on my phone and then had the, the tedious task of, of typing it out on my laptop as I listened Transcribing. to it. Yeah. 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 How did it start, though? It started by way of a very strong desire to receive guidance and clarity for personal issues in my life. Okay. And having had the experience of channeling in my dream state, I 
I sat in meditation and one particular afternoon or evening, I, I had a, a, a much stronger impulse than I've ever had to channel. Mm-hmm. And I, I was intuitively guided to just making some sound and, and spirit showed up and began to speak through me. Mm-hmm. And I remember, it was quite humorous to me because I remember on that particular evening, I remember I, I, I met with a friend of mine earlier in the evening and I had a cupcake and a particular tea that I'd never had before. And I remember thinking, wow, I wonder if it was the cupcake and the tea. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there was something in the tea. <laughs> yeah, so it actually became a ritual uh, to have this particular tea before I channeled. Uh, not because it was necessary, but because it became ingrained as a as a ritual for me. Yeah, as a statement to the universe, okay, this is my channeling time. May I ask what was the tea or is it a secret? <laughs> no, it's not a secret. It was Yogi Stress Relief Tea. Oh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Yogi Stress Relief Tea. Maybe there is something special. Okay, yeah. lovely. So on that first evening... How much material did you get? Or was it just like an intro or, or an invitation, perhaps? On that particular evening, I got quite a bit of information for myself. In that moment, there was no information coming forth for the collective, for others. But there were some personal guides that were coming through that were, were assisting me in some choices that I had to make in my life. And over time, there was a shift. Ah. And the shift occurred when I no longer began to channel the individual guides and began to channel a group energy, a group consciousness who identified themselves as the teachers of the light. And even though there was still some guidance that was coming through for, for my personal life, more of the guidance was coming through to be shared with others. So there was a shift that occurred. Was their first message along the lines that this material needs to be written in a book or some instructions for you to share it? Yes. How did you know it would be a book? I knew it would be a book when it was spoken through me. I did not know until that particular channeling session that I was writing a book. Okay. So then based on the nature of the information coming through, you realize that this needs to be written as a book. Yes, I was I was in a sense told that I was okay. writing a book in the midst of channeling. Mm, lovely. So it was not my original intention to to channel okay. a book. It just kind of it just kind of happened. Right. It happened, yeah. Learn more about Quantum Living, a cutting-edge approach to self-empowerment and emotional freedom at the intersection of science and spirituality. It is the master key to understanding how life works and gives you many tools and strategies to change your life experiences. Whether dealing with emotional addictions, relationship issues, self-sabotage blocking the progress and achievement in your life, or any other challenge, Quantum Living is the space you want to be in. My Quantum Living coaching program is as psychological, spiritual and esoteric as it is educational and practical. In the advanced stage of the program, I will take you on a quantum soul journey in a deep theta state to other dimensions and realities, which is an amazing and profound experience. I also invite you to sign up for Quantum Talk, my free monthly newsletter with a blog, updates and special offers. When you do, you will instantly receive a download copy of my book, The Seven Keys to Quantum Communication, absolutely free. To book your free diagnostic session and receive your free book, visit quantumliving.com.au today. You'll be glad you did. Okay, now the book has 46 chapters, 
So that's a lot of topics, yes. some, some of which are closely related. So to unpack it, could you tell us to begin with, what is the prophecy of the teachers of the light? And then perhaps give us a brief overview of the key messages uh, passed on to you for this book. Certainly, the prophecy of the teachers of the light. The message is that even though things might appear chaotic and disorderly around us, that we, as a race, as the human race, are awakening, and that there is a higher level of consciousness that is being awakened within us. And that higher level of consciousness that's being awakened within us will be creating and is already creating right here and right now in this moment, a new, improved, better earth for all of humanity to coexist on. Mm, lovely. Yes. And many times, many times in the book, the, the guides say to, to trust that all is well, that everything is being divinely orchestrated as it should, and that even though things may look chaotic around us, that there is... There is a, a plan <laughs> that, that things are unfolding for our highest and best. And so the energy that comes through really, really points us in the most positive direction that we can go as, as a collective in this particular moment of time. Okay. I'm curious, in that broader prophecy, did they say anything about us having a choice, because not everyone is on the same pathway, not, not everyone is at the same level. So do we still have a choice to move into that new earth or that new way of living? And, and, if, and if so, absolutely. what is the choice? Well, the choice is that we all have free will and we can utilize that free will to, to serve our, our highest good or not. And so ultimately, it's a choice as to if we awaken or we don't. What the guides speak to is that all will awaken, but not all in this particular incarnation. Okay, yeah. <laughs> because we are all individually on our own paths. Right, okay. And so for some... For some, awakening happens very slowly, and it's happening beneath the surface. And it's not going to happen in the fullest way in this particular incarnation. And for others, it will. But the analogy that I, I love that was offered to me and, and the readers is that if you could imagine a field of flowers, every flower is meant to awaken. Every flower is meant to blossom in its own time. And no flower can be left behind. Beautiful. And in fact, some people choose to exit either through COVID or through various cataclysms or through other quick exits, as I call them. So in the past few years in particular, a lot of people have crossed over one would say prematurely. And as we know, we all make such a decision at the soul level. So this would confirm that some people may have decided, okay, I move on. I am not ready. So next time around. <laughs> yeah, right. Not this time around. Right. My understanding is that because of, of the higher frequencies that are available to us right now, that that whatever we need to work through is, is coming up in a stronger way. And so it can be quite overwhelming for some yes. people and very challenging, uh, you know, to be experiencing all that, all that they are experiencing as a human being. I've certainly had those moments. I'm sure you have as well. I'm sure everybody out there has those, yeah. those really challenging moments. And so I, I am of the understanding that 
some people might choose to to exit the physical body because it's just too too challenging on a physical level to move through it all in in that moment. Yes. Often I'm amazed that I'm still here. <laughs> you know, I have I have a moment every once in a while when I think to myself, "Wow, it's it's a miracle I've, that I've overcome all that I've overcome, and that I'm I'm still here and I'm I'm sharing my gifts." Yes. Well, see, my view on this is that at the end of the day, we are being guided by our higher self and our soul, and so even when we are going through difficult challenges and difficult moments, perhaps even very difficult to the point where we think, well, I don't know if I'm going to make it. When we are getting through and are pushing through and are getting to a better moment and better thought and better state of mind, and we keep going and moving on, to me, this means that we are not done yet here at this level, that there's still a lot of work for us to do. Yeah, there must be if we're still here. For the individual. Yeah. And so, yeah, and so our higher service says, well, now you will get through because there is still some important work that you need to do. Absolutely, yeah. No exit for you just yet. (laughs) Yeah, not just yet. Yeah. Yeah. A phrase this morning dropped into my awareness. uh, Sometimes there is grace in the suffering, meaning that occasionally the suffering is, is necessary for us to you know, get to the next level where mm. we're, we're meant to be at, vibrationally yeah. speaking. Yes, that's, that's beautiful too. So could you give us a brief overview of the key messages in the book? Absolutely. Well, the central theme of the book is that the highest path that we can take is, is to be in our hearts and to to see all through the eyes of love and to love ourselves and, and others as unconditionally as we can. And that doesn't mean that we, we shouldn't have boundaries when boundaries are needed. And that shouldn't mean that we become spiritual doormats. Yes. Mm. Because certainly there are, are moments in life when we need to create strong boundaries and we need to to let go of people and experiences and it's not always easy and it can be challenging to always choose love. Mm-hmm. But the central theme is to, to be in our hearts and to choose that high vibration of love in every moment that is possible. And it's very possible for, for most moments. Mm-hmm. So that's the, the central theme mm-hmm. of the book. And then there are many other teachings that, that stem from that central mm-hmm. theme. The guides talk about relationships. The guides talk about sharing our gifts. The guides talk about having courage, moving through fear, manifestation. So many different hot topics, as I label them. Okay. But they always come back to the heart space. Okay, so let's pick just a few to give our listeners the a sense of what the book is about. What do they talk to regarding relationships? Well, in regards to relationships, the guides have used me on, on multiple occasions in the teachings as an example. Okay. And, <laughs> and the teaching is that... Are you happy with that? <laughs> I don't I don't mind. I don't mind. I know it's it's necessary sometimes. Yeah. Okay. They use, you know, they utilize whatever challenges I'm experiencing in my life as as vehicles to teach. And the teaching is that if we are, you know, seeking something outside of ourselves to make us complete, to to make us whole. If we're seeking something outside of ourselves that we experience as, as missing, that's not the, the healthiest and highest way to approach the art of relationship. Mm-hmm. But rather, you know, if through our own practice and through our own self-growth, 
we can learn how to hold, you know, the highest frequency of love and, and light and feel whole and complete on our own, then what we're seeking will actually naturally, naturally present itself mm -hmm. as a reflection outside of ourselves in the moment when we're not seeking it so much, meaning it will appear and occur more so by way of grace and synchronicity and miraculous experience mm -hmm. rather than coming from a state of, of needing mm -hmm. something else. That's a powerful message. It is, yeah. Yeah, and I even received it again very recently um, in a different way, just clairaudiently, that my, my highest path is to, to live in freedom and to not necessarily need somebody else, but rather just to enjoy the presence of somebody else in freedom. And I'm uh, speaking of, of all kinds of relationships, not just romantic relationships, but but all, all relationships. Okay. What about vibrational awareness? Well, as I'm sure you're aware, Anna, you know, for those who are, you know, have s some level of consciousness of awareness, we are, you know, aware of when we are, you know, high vibrationally, simply meaning we're, we're feeling peaceful and at ease and we're experiencing a sense of contentment just from, from being, and perhaps we're feeling some gratitude, perhaps some excitement, all of those high vibrational experiences. And then there are the moments in which, you know, perhaps we're experiencing, you know, a lower vibrational energy, perhaps, uh, you know, fear or anger or, or discontent in, in some way. And so the, the concept of vibrational awareness is simply to be aware without any judgment. That's the key, without any judgment as to where our, our vibration is in the moment. And then to sit and to shift through meditation. Mm. Okay, so they suggest meditation as the best vehicle to raise our vibrational and well, in practical terms, to improve our state of mind and our yes. emotional state uh, by Absolutely. raising those vibrations. Okay. Yeah, and of course, there are so many practices that we can engage in to do just that, to elevate ourselves. Meditation is, is one of them. And for me, it's the, it's the foundational practice. And that's why it's revealed in the book, very early on in the book, as the foundational practice. That, that, that enables us to, to keep coming back home to our hearts and to keep, to keep elevating when we find ourselves you know, immersed and reactive to the outside world, which of course can happen quite easily. Absolutely. And it is also, I would say, the most common, the most accessible and the easiest way right. for us to engage with the stillness with opening up to, yes, to the spirit yeah. world and and finding to finding yep. our truth. And isn't it amazing? All we need is ourselves. That's yes. it. <laughs> and we can meditate anywhere at any time. Exactly, yeah. And that's what, what comes through in the book as well, that it doesn't have to be at home. If it's mm -hmm. at home, great, but it could be anywhere. Yes. You it know? could be a walking meditation on the beach or in the forest. Mm. Yeah, often I have uh, Reiki clients who, who come see me and they say they, they find it very challenging to meditate. They can't meditate. Mm -hmm. And so I encourage them to do some kind of moving meditation. Mm -hmm. Anything that's meditative. Yes. <laughs> it doesn't have to be a seated meditation. Anything that helps them to still their mind and to mm -hmm. experience presence. Just to add to that, one of my uh, favorite yoga teachers uh, who I practiced with many years ago in class, he would say, yoga is preparation for seated meditation. Yoga is a meditation in itself, but it's a moving meditation. You focus on the breath and the body, mm -hmm. and by doing that, the mind stills, and then you can sit and meditate because through the moving meditation, finally the mind yeah. settles. That's why Shavasana at the end of a yoga class is so great because <laughs> yes. finally, ideally, finally the thoughts have settled. 
and one can actually enjoy stillness. Would you like to learn how to meditate in theta, the optimum frequency you can have in a meditative state? By popular demand, I have created an instructional theta meditation package containing a guided audio meditation and an introduction booklet. It is a unique, one-of-a-kind resource that will help you achieve and maintain the elusive theta state throughout your meditation and will give you the important background information about theta meditation and this process. For more details, please go to the store on my website at quantumliving.com.au. When I talk about meditation, I, I say that to describe it in one sentence, I say that meditation is listening to the silence. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. If you can grasp just that, regardless of the various meditative practices and ways, because obviously there was a number of different types of meditation. But if you, if you can just remember that it is listening to the silence, which means don't listen to your thoughts, don't pay attention to your emotions, just listen to the silence for, for a few minutes, several minutes. And then as you do it and practice it progressively, you will just understand what meditation is and it will be very easy for you to switch off if you like and then use meditation either as silence or use different types of meditation like for manifestation, healing, whatever, depending on. But meditation is listening to the silence. Yes, absolutely. And for those who are newer to meditation, if it's, if it's too challenging to sit, and to just be with the breath and to listen to the silence, there's mantra meditation. Yes, yeah. Silently repeating a mantra so that you're listening to the sound vibration of the mantra, and that in itself can, can draw the mind into silence. Yes, so there are many, many. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love yeah. meditation. I, it's, I actually teach theta meditation, which is, about, which is about bringing down your brain waves to the theta state, which is that you know, between the awakened state and, and sleep. I've never had anybody do a, a study on me, but I'd be really curious to, to be able to, to view my brainwaves during meditation because I know a lot of studies have been done about that. Yeah, yeah. And I'd be curious to see my own brainwaves. Maybe I'll do that one day. Yes, absolutely. Okay, let's pick one more topic. As I said, a lot of topics are interrelated, but one other one that I would like to highlight is about manifestation their advice is that what's what's most important is is the frequency that we are embodying that that is comes first and foremost just to tend to our own our own frequency through through practices such as meditation and what we we seek to create begins to happen in that space of stillness when our minds are calm and when our hearts are open and when we are creating with, with a loving intent. Okay. Do they give any particular uh, techniques or instructions uh, about the manifestation process? The technique is to is to really tune into the whatever it is whatever desire it is you might have to experience in in the world to to tune into the energy of that in your heart mm. to close your eyes and to tune into that that excitement or yeah. or that joy or that that gratitude so find it in your heart before you begin to search for it in the outside world. Yes. That's the key. I think a lot of people, including myself at times, begin by, by through physical activity 
by searching for what it is they desire in the outside world, whereas it's best to begin internally in the heart and to then take action, mm. to then take inspired yeah. action. Yeah. And so based on all of the, the teachings that I've received through, through the teachers of the light and, and my own essence, I, I do my best to live my life in balance, meaning to spend adequate time going within and then adequate time for necessary action in the outside world. Yes. Yeah. Mm. And I find that the greatest gifts that I receive um, in the outside world occur when I'm not looking for them. Yes. The- <laughs> meaning the intention, the intentions there, yes. perhaps I've, you know, I've put my prayers in, um, you know, I've done, done some work around it. Perhaps I've, I've, I've visualized it occurring, but, but it, I'm not thinking about yes. it or, or looking for yes. it in the moment when the gift appears. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It happens by way of, by way of grace. And then you're like, whoa, how did that happen? Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know? I, yes. I can completely relate to what you're saying. So the, the principle, the main principle is to have an intention, know exactly what you want right. to create and then drop it. Just, yes, just leave exactly, it. Yes. And they say, yes, we've got it. Leave it to us. You know, it is in, Correct, it is yeah. in safe hands. It will be done. Just drop it. Don't hang on Absolutely. to it. Yes. Don't hang on to it. And of course, depending on what it is you're you're moving towards in your life of course devotion to to your craft to what you're pursuing is necessary you mm-hmm. know you can't just sit at home and meditate all day oh yes of course <laughs> i'm i'm speaking of of mm. of my my path as a as a musician as a, a singer songwriter i can't just visualize myself up on stage yeah. <laughs> and then expect it to happen. I have yes. to practice, you know, I have to keep practicing and keep writing new songs and, and, and I have to keep performing and that in itself, you know, creates shifts and new opportunities. Yeah. Absolutely. And in fact, um, I will ask you in a moment about your work in the physical world, your Reiki and your music. But I have just one more question in relation to that channeled book. You have been on a spiritual pathway for many years now. Is there anything in this channeled material that is either new to you, to your own conscious mind, or you don't fully agree with or find challenging to accept? And secondly, whether you have edited the content or left anything out? (laughs) Those are great questions. In terms of editing the content, the only editing that was done was just for easier, more easeful digestion meaning there were some very long run-on sentences, for example, just little tweaks here and there to, to make it as, as digestible as possible for the reader. But not the content as such? Not the content, no. no. So it, was there anything that you don't fully agree with or find challenging to accept? I'm drawn towards one particular teaching about the loss of 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 others in our lives and in this particular teaching what came through is that we have we have a choice sometimes and that choice is to either mourn for for the loss of somebody to to grieve for them or to to celebrate and to to just keep the love going and to understand that there is really no loss. And, and this is a, a challenging topic for a lot of people to, to grasp. And 
I think they go hand in hand. I think we have to give ourselves full permission to, you know, to grieve and to experience loss on the, the human level. And then we also have to rise up into that level of consciousness where we are aware that the love that's shared between people never ends. And so, yeah, this particular teaching was a little more challenging for me than, than others. Personally, if I may ask? Personally, yeah. Because I think a pathway was presented to perhaps choose less suffering, yeah, less, less mourning, less grief. Okay. Yeah. But as I understand from your comments, you, you do accept it and you agree with it, recognizing the challenge. Yes, I agree. I absolutely agree that, that mm. yeah, and that at our highest level of consciousness, the love, the connections never end, that they're eternal. They just, you know, the forms that we've become accommodated to change, of course, but the love remains, remains present. Yeah, and sometimes we can even experience more love with those who have passed over, for example, than we did with them in the physical. Very true. Yeah. So is there a link between your channeling and your other work, which you've mentioned already, Reiki and music? Is there a flow of energy between those two aspects of your life? Absolutely. Yeah. I was speaking to somebody else about this recently, and we were discussing the, the belief that we are all channels. And we're just, we're just tuning in to, to different, different stations. And we all channel in unique ways. So, for example, I personally might be channeling words and somebody else might be channeling this or that. And for me, there is definitely a similarity between Reiki, channeling, and music in the sense that I'm always doing my best to be an empty vessel for the energy to flow through. And even in my songwriting, sometimes my experience is that the best songs are the ones that are written very quickly, where the energy just surges through me and I'm just available mm -hmm. to be a conduit for it. Yeah. So I feel like there is definitely a, a similarity between all of those three mediums. Mm, beautiful. Speaking about your music, you write songs and you also perform? I do. I sing and I play acoustic guitar and piano, as well as some sound healing instruments. And I often, to write a song, will just sit down at the piano or sit down with my guitar and just let it flow. Sometimes I might have an idea for a song. I mean, I might have been inspired by, by an experience in life that I'm drawing from. At other times, I might sit down with an empty palette and just see what comes. <laughs> and mm. uh, yeah, it's a really enjoyable, I'm calling it a practice because it is a, a practice for me. It is, it is, can often be meditative. Yes. And I know that my, the level of devotion that I've had for my music has carried me through some challenging times, mm -hmm. meaning on some darker days. I still chose to sit down and practice music mm -hmm. and that in itself helped me to, to raise my vibration and to, to uplift myself in a way that I would not have if I didn't choose to, to sit down with my music. Mm, beautiful. Do you do live performances? Do you have recorded albums out there? I do. Yeah. I have a, a full length album and a, a single on my website right now. Mm hmm. And I, I do perform as well. I perform uh, locally here in Santa Barbara. Fairly recently, I performed at a uh, music club and restaurant in town called Soho. And I also lead Kirtan, which is the call and response singing of, of mantra music. And I'm looking forward to uh, a lot more performance opportunities this year. Mm, lovely. I will obviously include in the show notes all the links to your website and uh, other online presence. Wonderful. So that people, someone would like to contact you, people can find you and, and find out more about your work and have a chat. What would be your key message, your key takeaway from this conversation for our listeners? 
My key takeaway, and this isn't necessarily from this particular conversation, but it's just been been on my mind lately, mm-hmm. that that progress as we define it as human beings doesn't always happen overnight. And sometimes it might, we might even have the sense that we are, we take two steps back and I'm sorry, two steps forward and one step back. Is that the, the phrase? Yeah. 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 Yes. Um, but that by way of, by way of the tools that are offered in the book, by way of the practices that are offered in the book, we, we can experience lives that are filled with more peace and more contentment and more joy. And it doesn't mean that we don't have dark days because we're human and we're going to have dark days. At least that's my personal opinion. Um, I don't think it's possible to fully avoid suffering. But for me, the sign of progress is when we, we suffer less and we experience more days that are filled with peace and contentment and joy. And that comes out of the practices that are presented in the book and any, any other practices that the listeners personally enjoy. Mm, beautiful. Thank you so much. Where is the book available? Is it on your website, on Amazon? Yes, on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And the title is Journey of the Heart. Awakening to Love, Channeling the Teachers of the Light. Beautiful. Yeah. I will include the link in the show notes to Wonderful. the book as well. Well, Darren, thank you so much mm-hmm. for bringing us the messages of the Teachers of the Light and sharing with us your beautiful spiritual wisdom and knowledge. And it's been lovely to, to have you on Quantum Living and the best of luck on your spiritual journey. Thank you. It's been a lovely experience for me as well. I appreciate you having me as a guest. And it's been a really uh, delightful experience to, to chat with you. I always enjoy connecting with other, other like-minded <laughs> individuals. And when I say like-minded, I, I simply mean to mean we're on the same spiritual wavelength. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. Same, same frequency. Yes, absolutely. Thank yeah. you so much, Darren. All the best. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. That's all for today, folks. If you enjoyed the show, please post a review on Apple Podcasts to encourage others to listen to it and lift the spirit across the world and the universe. For the show notes and contact details, please go to my Quantum Living Podcast on podpage.com. I'm your host, Anna Anderson. Thank you for listening. I look forward to connecting with you on the next episode of Quantum Living. Until then, be well.